Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 65 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 116 of Receptopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And last week, I was in a mood. I went in on the crowd and the booking. And thankfully, things were a little bit better this week. I still have criticisms here and there. But this was a much more stable show than the last few editions of NXT that really worked my last nerve. So I'm in a much better mood this week as we kick things off with Cameron Grimes versus Sola Sequoia for the NXT North American Championship. And I thought this match was pretty good as Grimes went after the left arm of Sola early on by cranking in several arm drags and two an arm bar. Solo was able to kick out and made a pretty decent comeback against Grimes, but Grimes stopped him in his tracks, offered a handshake, and he told Solo that I respect you, but your bloodline can kiss my grits, and he proceeds to slam Solo headfirst into the turnbuckle, but Solo fired up every time he did so, and he responded by slamming Grimes face first into the turnbuckle himself. The action spilled to the outside for a bit, and Grimes recovered by hitting Solo with a flipping senton on the outside. As we go to commercial break, we come back from picture in picture and Grimes is still working over Solo Sequoia and he hits a running Rana on Solo for a near fall. Solo does respond by nailing Grimes with the Uso hip attack in the corner and he is able to hit a super kick on Grimes a short time later for a very close near fall. Grimes does catch Solo with a running Spanish fly for a near fall. He goes for the cave-in but in a great counter Solo picks him up for the Samoan drop. He goes up top for the frog splash and Trick Williams appears at ringside to distract Solo Sequoia. So Solo who should be paying attention to Cameron Grimes. He kicks Trick Williams away and lands a frog splash on Trick Williams onto the floor, but the slight distraction allows Cameron Grimes to take advantage and hit the cave-in on Solo a short time later to retain the NXT North American Championship. This was a very anticlimactic finish. The fans were not here for it, neither was I, because Solo was this close to winning, and he let one slight distraction get the best of him, but that's an NXT booking for you. That still irritates me a bit, but the body of the match was very good, and the fans love Solo Sequoia. It was no bullshit with this crowd. They love Solo. They respect the fact that he is a part of the bloodline and they've been talking up the bloodline directly as of late. It could lead to a main roster call up very soon. And after the match is over, we have Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, the former A champion, the North American champ, go after Solo and Grimes and Trick Williams joins in on the beatdown. The fans boo, but the A champ stands tall by holding his former championship and this feud between Grimes and Carmelo Hayes must continue and I am here for it. As the opening segment of NXT. T2.0 comes to a close. I thought this was a fine way to start the show. Great match between Solo Sequoia and Cameron Grimes for the North American title. And Grimes is getting mixed reactions from the crowd. A year ago, he was all about to the moon. They loved him as a million-dollar champion. Something has changed recently. The crowd is very fickle these days. At least they were all in on Solo Sequoia. And they appear to like Carmelo and Trick despite being heels at the moment. But you know is very week to week with this crowd and they have a mind of their own as we'll get to with our next segment featuring the NXT champion Braun Breaker and he is happy to report that his father Rick Steiner is back home safe and sound after Joe Gacy and Harlan kidnapped him at the end of last week's show and he talks about his father having a 20 plus year career being a Hall of Famer and trying to do his best to support his family and he's not going to let a guy like Joe Gacy destroy that and Joe Gacy appears on the big screen after some trolls 
Eagles and the crowd chant, we want Gacy. We do get some boo birds for Bond Breaker once again for reasons I don't understand. Years ago at Full Sail, Johnny Gogano got booed by this crowd. So anything is possible when they feel some kind of way. But this is kind of ridiculous. And even though I would love Bond Breaker to be a part of the main roster to avoid this bullshit, he needs more refinement on NXT first. But it is a choice for him to have a feud with Joe Gacy over the NXT championship. And Joe Gacy is in the woods somewhere in Florida. He sets a bonfire and he has Rick Steiner's WWE Hall of Fame ring. And he notes his ring symbolizes his career, the success, the sacrifices made for his family to be where you are today, Braun. And he throws the ring in the fire and it's not going to melt. It's apparently indestructible. And I'm sure Vince can get Rick Steiner another Hall of Fame ring. Braun Breaker is pissed off at this act of disrespect as the segment comes to an end. And I'm not feeling Braun Breaker versus Joe Gacy thus far as he feud over the NXT Championship. It's a lame feud. And my worry is whenever this match does take place, I fear that the trolls are going to cheer for Joe Gacy They're going to root for him and they're going to try to sabotage Braun Breaker. And it's not uncommon for the crowd to show their ass sometimes, but it really is going to be a test for Braun Breaker to see how he handles it. How do you handle the boo birds for the first time? Does it get next to you? Do you fire up and play into that intensity? Do you eventually turn heel? And give them what they want or so they think. Maybe you do your job too well and they have no choice but to love you because of it. It's a very delicate dance it's going to have to go through in the next few months because this crowd is clearly going into business for themselves and they've picked Braun Breaker as a target. It's not the entire audience, but it's a section that is very audible that does get their shit in most weeks. And I hope that he's able to handle that maturely in the weeks to come because it's going to be a true testament to how far he's grown thus far on NXT 2.0. It's been all love up until this point. How does he handle Boo Birds? that might be consistent in nature whenever his match against Joe Gacy takes place for the NXT Championship. Next up was supposed to be Von Wagner versus Kushida, but Von Wagner beat Kushida's ass backstage and powerbombed him out of frame, and he beats Anika Minjiro as well, but Jiro is prepared to fight Von Wagner in the ring. He comes out there, puts up a good fight with a series of smashing forearms and a set on to Von Wagner, but Von Wagner is able to fight back and hit that DVD for the win, and I am trying very, very hard to give Von Wagner a fair chance, but every time I see him, he cannot emote He cannot express anger. He's very one note in the face. And the camera cannot make you produce charisma. You got to be one with the camera. And it's still rough around the edges right now. But a highlight was Von Wagner picking up Hikaminjiro and tossing him into the front row of WWE PC trainees. And that was a nice touch. But otherwise, I'm just not feeling Von Wagner as that next guy up. And he has a long, long way to go in order to be a true star on 2.0. Next up is my favorite segment of the night. It was supposed to be an interview between Mackenzie Mitchell and Nikita Lyons. They're sitting down backstage and Nikita Lyons is talking about her victory over Lash Legend this past Tuesday on 2.0. Then from out of nowhere, Lash Legend boots Nikita Lyons out of the chair. She goes flying over and under. It's a great meme. It's fucking hilarious. And the gif was immediately made. I retweeted it from the NXT account and I got my life. This was art. 
the timing, the execution was fantastic. And I am not opposed to a return match between Lash Legend and Nikita Lyons part two because the first match was pretty passable. I think they can do a bit better the second time around. And I truly believe long term they could be viable as a tag team with more experience. But I do sense vibes of Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez from a couple of years ago when Rhea and Raquel were beefing and it led to a couple of really good matches at Halloween Havoc and New Year's Evil in January 2021. I don't expect Lash Legend and Nikita Lyons to reproduce that magic, but they've got their own flavor and style that I like a lot. Lash Legend has potential. She has a long way to go. And the same goes for Nikita Lyons as well. But I want them to go into their next match with an absolute sense of freedom. I know they're going to rehearse the match down, but I want them to trust their instincts a bit more and to trust each other in the ring. When they can let loose with those punches and kicks and boots, they're really good. Don't overthink things. And I think their second match will be better the second time around whenever it takes place on 2.0. Next up is Dakota Kai versus Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. And this match was rough around the edges. A crucifix bomb attempt by Dakota Kai to Mandy Rose was very slow coming together. Things got a wee bit better when Dakota Kai was able to land a crossbody onto all three members of Toxic Attraction as we go to commercial break. Mandy Rose downs the pace a bit, but Dakota responds with a scorpion kick into the double foot stomp and the face wash in the corner for a close near fall. Mandy Rose once again slows down the pace as she goes after Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai does fire back up and she lands a chiropractor. The move is all about hitting the neck area. And Mandy Rose took like a backstabber, which was kind of messy. Then Toxic Attraction gets on the ring apron. And Dakota Kai is able to boot Jesse Jane. But she grabs one of the women's tag team title belts. And she holds it in her hand for some reason. And Mandy Rose lands a bicycle knee that rams the belt into Dakota's face in clear view of the referee, but the ref makes a count as Mandy Rose retains the NXT Women's Championship, and the match is fine. Dakota Kai worked hard as always, but Mandy Rose had a hard time taking some of Dakota's moves. Everything wasn't as smooth and fluid as it should be, and it showed via this matchup. And when the match is over, Wendy Chu appears on the apron, and she has two super soakers, and she is spraying down Toxic Attraction, who sells this like a Stone Cold Steve Austin coming down to the ring with the beer truck and spraying everybody with the beer hose. It was a little bit overdramatic with the flopping around like a fish, but it gets heat on the crew and Wendy Chu gets cheered. And I guess Wendy is feuding with Mandy Rose next, which I'm fine with, but it's really time for Dakota Kai to get that call up to the main roster officially. They've teased it since the summer of last year, and it's time to make the move official. She would be a great asset to Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown. It's long past time for Dakota Kai to make that transition up to the main roster. And I want her to be a difference maker. I want her to be a game changer. She's got the personality and the work rate to really get over with the people. She's been down at NXT for well over five years. It's now time for the call up and the ultimate level up in terms of pay. Next up is Cora Jade coming down to the ring to talk about her experience at NXT Stand and Deliver nearly two weeks ago. She talks about her parents being in the second row, seeing her perform 
And she says, next time, guys, front row tickets are coming your way. But she talks about what an honor it was to share the ring with three talented women in Io Shirai, Kayla Ray, and the current champion, Mandy Rose. It made her hungrier to become NXT Women's Champion eventually. And she made a vow when she went on her notebook at eight years old that she would be a WWE superstar and a champion someday. And she's going to be a woman of her word. And then from out of nowhere, Natalia's music hits and she gets one of the biggest pops of her career. Dare I say crowd loves her. She's highly emotional about this moment. She's very teary eyed and courage aid is fangirling over Natalia, who's her favorite star from way back when. And she wants to be a champion on Natty's level, Bailey, AJ Lee, Paige, just to name a few. And years ago, Cora Jade DM'd Natty via Twitter because she saw her at a live event and she was inspired by Natty and she was really excited to meet her hero. And Natalia remembers this and she's moved to tears by Cora Jade's fandom and love for this business and she says you are the future Cora Jade you're talented you're beautiful you got what it takes to be the absolute best and you are the future of the NXT women's division but your future is bleak and she slaps Cora Jade and locks in the sharpshooter while wearing Louis Vuitton boots it's total fashion flex and I love it and the fans kind of boo but they cheer this because it's Natalia a main roster star drops by pays a visit and she is now setting up shop on NXT for now and I love this for Natalia she did this nearly eight years ago for Charlotte Flair she was a part of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament to crown a new champion after Paige relinquished the title when she moved up to Monday Night Raw and won the Divas Championship from AJ Lee then after WrestleMania 30. So Natalya knows how to pay it forward on NXT. She did it at full sale a long time ago for Charlotte Flair when Charlotte won her first major championship in WWE. And Natalya is a den mother. She has seen and done it all from the doldrums of the Divas division era to the women's revolution. She has been there for all of the highs and lows and everything in between. And I honestly believe she's an asset to the women's division to help them grow and learn this craft in a more efficient way. And Cora Jade is going to be a beneficiary of that because I think that she has what it takes to be a star. Her promo last night was very good. And this crowd is not easy to win over most weeks, but she kept their attention. And I like her star power. Her promo style reminds me a bit of Bailey. And that's a good thing. There's a likability to Cora Jade that I enjoy. She has ways to go in order to be a fully realized performer. But the potential is there. And by working with Natalia, she'll get there faster. And Natty is going to be a wealth of knowledge to this women's division moving forward. And I cannot wait to see what Natty has up her sleeves in the weeks to come. And on a side note, I would love to see Natalia for Zio Shirai just because it would kick so much ass. Preferably in the main event spot. Wink, wink. Next up is Draco Anthony versus Zion Quinn. And Draco Anthony was being dominated by Zion Quinn for a bit. He does hit a couple of clotheslines on Quinn. And he mocks Quinn's traditional Samoan ritual dance. And Quinn snaps. He goes off. He delivers some crushing clotheslines and three smashing forearms to the face of Anthony, the fans chant one more time. Quinn gives the people what they want as he picks up the pretty decisive win. And, you know, I try to give a fuck about certain storylines on NXT. I don't care 
about Draco's fight with his conscience, whether or not he should align with Joe Gacy. If you want to be with a cult leader, do your thing. If not, then by all means, do you. <laughs> and Zion Quinn is supposed to be a ladies' man, but he cannot produce a lick of chemistry with Electra Lopez outside of their tango for one week. So he needs a revamp of his character as well. He's got potential. He's got a nice look, but he needs to emote and connect with the people. And the same could be said for Drake or Anthony moving forward on 2.0. And now it is time for our main event. It was a gauntlet match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. And it was the Creed Brothers entering the gauntlet first. Every tag team in this match had to pull their number from the tumbler like it's the Warrior Rumble from the 1990s. And the Creed Brothers drew number one. And like all the Phantasmas were Old Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde drew number two. And... Legato versus the Creed Brothers was the highlight of this gauntlet match. I thought these guys worked great together. Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza put on a show. They were doing flipping setons to Brutus and Julius Creed. We had Mendoza kick Brutus off the top rope. And Joaquin Wilde laid out both Creed Brothers with the flip dive on the outside. Eventually, the Creeds do lock in double ankle locks to Mendoza and Wilde, but... Legato recovers and they're able to get back on their feet and they slam the Creed Brothers into each other in order to regain a bit of offense. From there, Joaquin Wilde is able to hit a 450 splash on Julius, which is broken up by Brutus. And once again, Raul Mendoza tries to take out Brutus Creed, but as they go for the high-low, Brutus pulls Mendoza out of the ring and they hit the Samoan drop into the smashing forearm on Wild for the win. Very nice victory for the Creed brothers as the next opponents up are Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. And the action picks up after the commercial break when Jensen and Briggs powerbomb poor Brutus Creed through the table and they proceed to double team Julius Creed. They beat him down. They wear him out. And Brutus Creed tries to make a comeback for his brother. But every time he tries to do so, Briggs and Jensen block him at every turn. At one point, they had a double tandem move from the top rope on Julius Creed, which is broken up eventually by Brutus. Briggs and Jensen go after Brutus and they go for the high low. But Julius Creed is able to trip up Josh Briggs. And Brutus responds with a crushing lariat to Jensen to get the win as they move to round three of the Scotland match to face Sangha and Grayson Waller and Grayson has his arm in a sling due to that crazy lot of bump he took at send and deliver nearly two weeks ago in Dallas but ever the con man he is faking the injury as he lays out Brutus and Julius at ringside as we go to picture in picture we come back from the break and Sangha is dominating the Creed brothers at this point Julius and Brutus are running on fumes trying to fight back. The crowd is rooting for them. And eventually, we got Julius and Brutus picking up Sangha, who's wearing Braun Strowman's pants from 2018. And they slam him down with spine busters and power slams. And eventually, that crushing lariat once again to pick up the victory and move on to the final round of this gauntlet against Pretty Deadly's Kit Wilson and Elton Prince. And... The Creeds, they're on E. They're on empty. They're trying. We got Brutus on the apron just going through it. If he gets a hot tag, he can barely get through the ropes. And he is struggling on his feet. He's selling his ass off. And the Pretty Deli take advantage of the jawbreaker in the corner. And he kicks out. And the fans are trying to will the Creed brothers to victory. Julius is laid out at ringside by the Pretty Deadly. And they hit the spilt milk on Brutus Creed to win the NXT Tag Team titles 
They run up the ramp, grab the titles, and mock the Creed brothers, and the Creeds are in the ring, sad, depressed. Malcolm Bivens is all torn up inside. As the NXT ends, a pretty deadly standing tall, and the Creed brothers being very somber and sad in the ring. And I really enjoyed this match. I thought the Creed brothers put up a hell of a fight. And I think the slow burn approach is best for the Creed brothers. The fans clearly love them, which is very nice to see. They have not turned on them yet, and I'm very thankful for that. And I made some declarations months ago that the Creed brothers got next. And a dream match of mine would have been Imperium versus the Creed Brothers six months down the road from their debut. And they rushed it by three months. And that did not make me very happy. But you see their potential and their growth and how they execute their suplexes and their power moves. And Brutus can fly when need be with cannonballs and shit. And Julius is coming into his own because I had my eyes on Brutus during the early run of this Creed Brothers tag team because he gave me baby Brock vibes and they were really reckless in a good way in the ring. Sometimes he did not know their own strength, but I loved Brutus's presence and Julius is coming into his own and he is in amazing shape and he's got presence about him. And sometimes a slow burn is the best way to get that ultimate pop from fans that tend to like you right now and when the creeds win the big one Malcolm Bivens is going to have the biggest celebration ever and I cannot wait and above all else it's a way to establish pretty deadly as the dominant go-to tag team on NXT right now and we see more stars coming from UK including Nathan Frazier who should be a difference maker a kid should be around here somewhere he was very flashy and showy and fun during his first few matches and now that we got the clouds and fog from Sin and Deliver all in the clear now, maybe he could be a difference maker on Tuesday nights by getting some wins on this show on a more consistent basis. So here's hoping that the influx of NXT UK talent can really tighten things up in terms of consistency and booking, which is sorely needed on this show right now, especially since we've had the departures of Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, Tomasa Ciampa, Raquel Gonzalez, Butch, and presumably LA Knight in the last few weeks. And they are trying to retool the roster. And here's hoping that this leads to better match quality, smart booking, and better crowds in the weeks to come. One can only hope as another week of NXT 2.0 is in the books. And I thought this was a better show than the last few weeks. I have some druthers about some booking here and there regarding baby faces looking dumb when it comes to Solo going for a frog splash on the floor and Dakota Kai willingly grabbing a championship belt and getting kicked in the face with it for the loss. But otherwise, I thought this was a much better show that felt much more stable and sane versus what we've been getting on 2.0. Everything is not perfect. Joe Gacy, hello. But my faith has been somewhat restored as my bold claim of this show being better by June still stands for now with a couple of months to go. But I am a woman of my word and here's hoping that NXT proves me right by getting back on track. But as always, we shall see. And with that, this wraps up episode number 65 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Auto 
Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 59 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.